Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bengalis in New York show. My name is Arik and uh, we were repping it for, you know, the Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and all over the world. So welcome and enjoy. Sajid Bhai, welcome to the Boni Podcast. Uh, thanks, Kamal. Thanks. Uh, pleasure to be I think you're the first guest in, in Jakarta. That's where you live, right? Yeah, for uh, around nine years now. Wow. How, uh, how and what, why, why Jakarta? Why, what makes you want to live in Jakarta? So I used to uh, work with Standard Traded Bank. Uh, and, you know, uh, as part of their international management uh, program, that took me all over the world. Uh, so <laughs> nine countries later, last was in Indonesia. Wow. Uh, I really like this place. So I really like this place. And then so, you know, so I decided and my family decided you know, to stay back. So while uh, my current uh, involvement takes me at uh, many different places, but yeah, we, we are sort of based here the last. Wow, I I was in Bali last year and I love the energy mm. in in Bali. It's uh, Kangoo Beach, which is like the startup scene there. There's so much going on, even in the midst wow. of COVID. Uh, a lot of amazing innovation in 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 that part of the world. So I can I can see. Uh, so nine countries. What what are some highlights of those countries uh, you were in? I mean, a good portion of it was in Africa. So I was based in. Uh, Lagos, Nigeria, managing the West Africa business. So that, uh, that there were five countries. Uh, and then the, you know, the typical suspects. Of, uh, yeah. But yeah, but I mean, I think I, so, you know, so my job took, you know, some of the major countries where I stayed longer time, uh, one is obviously Nigeria, which which is uh, is now turning out to be a startup hub for Africa, uh, with a lot of very promising uh, companies coming out of there. And the, the other one is, of course, Indonesia, as you're mentioning. In fact, Bali is a, uh, with COVID, it has become a top attraction for a lot of talent. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was talking with a couple of guys the other day. They are into Y Combinator, but they are attending from Bali. Uh, so wow. I think uh, that that's happening quite a few. And of course, you know, the other countries, Bangladesh, uh, where, uh, you know, which again is a very, you know, very rising. Yeah. So, I mean, very, we're talking, so it's June 13th. A couple of weeks ago, news came out that Bangladesh per GDP uh, now has ex- uh, surpassed India and, and Pakistan. What what are your thoughts on that? How excited were you to hear that news? Oh, no, very excited. I think uh, the story in Bangladesh is clearly uh, on an uprising trend. If you if you look at the specifically from a startup or technology lens, uh, and if you look uh, across countries, uh, the countries that I just mentioned, or even you know countries like Singapore, what you notice is uh, you know all the countries are on the same trajectory because the macro forces are broadly same, i.e. you know younger population, digitization, uh, internet penetration. So uh, all the countries are on the same trajectory, but at different points. Right? And Bangladesh is clearly on a very a nice growth trajectory for for now, uh, and that gives us hope because I think. Uh, you know, once the infrastructure uh, is in place and once the people are connected, then I think the rest will automatically, you know, uh, take shape on its own because the natural forces uh, and the forces of people will automatically define uh, the growth. Uh, and I think Bangladesh is, uh, is now ready. So that's uh, very helpful. One, uh, obviously, one area we probably need to be uh, careful about is our ambition needs to be bigger. It's not about just, uh, you know, 
a, a few uh, GDP per capita or income per capita compared to other neighboring countries, but the ambition is to be much bigger than that. And that's where I think we sometimes uh, lack uh, that ambition. Uh, and that's where we shouldn't be complacent uh, of the growth. So I graduated, uh, I, I was in, uh, my, I did my bachelor's, I graduated in 2005, but I remember uh, an economics class in around 2003, there was a list that Goldman Sachs came up with. It was called the BRIC countries. And that was the next mm. you know, sort of economies, Brazil, Russia, India, and China. But in addition to that, they had the next five and Bangladesh was one of them. And I was mm. super excited because I was in, you know, I was in, I was in school and I was just excited to hear Bangladesh in my economics class. But since then, I would say I, I, I was always waiting for Bangladesh to be, you know, more prominent in the news. And I've seen that recently. So for me, it's, it's incredibly exciting. And I know. Mm. No, sorry. Now we all recall that list. <laughs> Yeah. I recall mentioning that list at many meetings. Uh, but yeah, but we have to wait uh, uh, a bit. But yeah, yeah. it's okay. But you're you're someone that's intimately involved in what's going on. So t- t- talk about the My Asia VC um, and, and what your goal is and what you're doing um, uh, with, with the fund. So, you know, my background has been in angel investing for a while. So I invested in uh, many companies. Uh, you know, while I was based in, uh, uh, have been in. So the investment is roughly six, seven years I've been doing in this space. Uh, and so one of the things I, I realized is that, you know, all these investments and uh, during that period, I was getting a lot of interest from others to co-invest with me. Uh, they were saying that, look, because I have access to deals, I can understand uh, which will probably work and which won't. So they started, you know, asking me to uh, launch a fund. So my share is sort of a culmination of all those requests and my interest to more, you know, more, give the investments, uh, startup investment a more formal shape. And that's where the whole my share started. The hypothesis of my share is that, you know, the second order impact. So what we what we see, uh, for example, let's take COVID. So COVID, obviously, you know, uh, is a, a pandemic uh, which uh, you know people don't uh, experience. In general, one of those. Bands. And then, of course, the, exp- the impact of COVID has been clearly, you know, a lot of uh, personal losses, death, a lot of uh, shops and uh, small offices and the restaurants closing down. So huge economic impact. So those are the you know. So the first order impact of COVID would be deaths and the immediate health impact. The second order impact of COVID would be you know the the immediate economic impact on. But beyond this first or second order, there is a much larger impact of COVID, which is, I think, an increased digitization. Uh, we are seeing uh, more and more people getting comfortable accessing services digitally, companies moving from brick and mortar to online. So these are, I think, larger term impact of any events. And that's what we, we make our investments uh, on. So our Hypothesis is that any large events have a lot of impact, which is beyond the first order. So my VC essentially tries to understand those impacts uh, of how an event is impacting other sites uh, of other businesses or uh, how people live or how we spend money and then uh, identify those trends and invest on those trends. Uh, and then, of course, you know, that, that is true across the world. So we are we are agnostic to geography. We are agnostic to sector. We mostly do seed and series there, but we, we are essentially in early stage. Uh, do you have any portfolio companies in Bangladesh? Yeah, uh, we have a few. So we uh, we invested in Shop Up, uh, okay. which has been you know, doing very well. Uh, we just invested in another one, uh, Track Like Bay. Uh, 
uh, run. Uh, and uh, we, we did. We, we do. There's one company called Nitex, which has been doing the, uh, you know, we're just trying to help ready-made garments uh, to get, get online. So I think that's very specific to the problem. That's, yeah. so, and there are... Truck Lugby. I, I love I love English-Bangla mixtures. Or is that, is that, is that, is that, wait, actually, no. Is, is there a Bangla word for truck? Or is truck bang, Bangla? Yeah, tra- truck is truck. Uh, and Lugby is obviously <laughs> the Bangla word. Uh, I mean, in fact, you might know the team. And so there's a uh, Ravid, Ravid, who used to work in Patao. Oh, okay. uh, he spends a lot of time in US. So okay. yeah, he's one of the uh, one of the team members. Uh, and okay. they, they essentially, you know, the track hiring. Yeah. Okay. Uh, of course, you know, short and long. Of course, yeah. Um, so what do you, when you're investing in these companies, Bangladesh or otherwise, what, what sort of um, what are you looking for in terms of? Uh, 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 composition of the team, um, the background of, of its founders, or what sort of industries, what are you looking for? Let me start with the industry. So uh, while I broadly agnostic to industries, I mean, if I look at my portfolio, there'd be a bias towards the financial services. Uh, so, you know, companies which are, which has financial services as a score, let's say, uh, you know, it's a payment app, or which uh, were the companies which has financial service as one of its core propositions, you know, companies like ShopUp and others. So which, or even, you know, nowadays, even if you're doing a logistic app like uh, Gojek or Uber, you have a financial service. So so uh, one uh, area that I look at is uh, obviously whether, so that's one. Uh, second, of course, is logistics space. I think uh, logistics across the world uh, is going to a massive transformation. And, uh, you know, there's again, a, there's a lot of uh, second or third impact on logistics as, as different events. And forth. Uh, so that would be the second part thesis. The third one is uh, sort of like B2B SaaS, uh, which is essentially what, what I think is happening, uh, you know, the B2B businesses. So we have seen very nice apps for consumer side, right? I mean, you, we have Uber, we have different, you know, chat and uh, video apps and stuff. But what we have not seen such level of user experience and journey in the B2B space. And I think uh, there is a big scope to do that. And I know many companies which are doing it quite well. So B2B SaaS would be another third one. But outside these, uh, you know, I do some... <laughs> some very uh, some investments which are sort of like a moonshot, as they call it. Cool. So I invested in uh, you know Hyperloop, Hyperloop, which are quite early in the loop one, uh, which of course, as you know, is the came out hard build people. Um, so then I did this in a company called uh, Caribou Bioscience, which was set up by uh, Jennifer Jordana. So she, uh, you know, she is sort of the person who came up with CRISPR, DNA editing, and won Nobel Prize after that. That's the one I did uh, in a pretty much in the space. So I think space is, space economy, as they call it, is going to be big. So I did a quite investment so one is Astra uh, you know so one company which essentially said sort of what we call tow truck in the space and put the satellites in their places because everyone is now launching satellites and they're ending up in wrong places mm-hmm. uh, then another company I invested is actually you know uh, uh, talking with NASA and uh, sort of uh, you know like when when SpaceX says, sends their you know uh, shuttle and everything so they need refueling and other things in, in the long term you know the journey from uh, let's say here to Mars or here to other places like in different space station. So this company is trying to work with the, you know, uh, with, with some somewhat similar, where all these uh, satellites, uh, not the satellites, the shuttles will go, take rest and stuff like that and refill. So some are very interesting, uh, you know. Moon wow, I have I have so many questions about everything you just said. But the <laughs> one thing that I I, I wanted, to, I would love to get your thoughts on is, like you said, it's like so there's so many companies trying to send uh, rockets or satellites to space. Have Have you read about any of this? 
a lot of people that are concerned about remnants um, left over from uh, dying satellites or residues yeah. um, and the sort of pollution that may that may cause. That's a bigger worry, right? I mean, I think what's happening now is uh, uh, I mean, there, so there are quite a few things happening, right? So one with the Starlink, uh, uh, a lot of satellites will go up just you know just to uh, cover the surface uh, of the Earth, really, you know, to ensure that you get proper signaling. Uh, for your space. Uh, and of course, these will result to uh, <laughs> a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things to get oscillate and a lot of trash that gets accumulated in space, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's where, you know, one of the companies I mentioned, uh, like the flow track and stuff. So th those are the other side of the, uh, of the build-up that's happening, which is essentially, you know, supporting, uh, clearing up all these crashes from the space and stuff like that, or mm -hmm. putting the slab in the right place so they don't collide with each other and stuff like that. So, so I think there are also, you know, a lot of progress happening to ensure that uh, the junk, space junk are cleared yeah. up and then, you know, um, we have a, uh, at least when you send a, a shuttle, it doesn't bump into another <laughs> exactly. stuff, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it's not going to be like Dhaka traffic anytime soon, but I mean, look, if if things, uh, mm. you know, go the way that Musk and others want it to happen, um, it's exciting times, uh, you know, with space, like you said. Um, uh, oh, it's, it's very, very exciting. I mean, you know, I mean, this is uh, one of those, uh, you know, golden moments uh, uh, in science. I mean, we, we had these uh, Renaissance period, you know, a lot of years back when, when the whole civilization uh, in terms of progress exploded. And I think this is one of those times because some of the developments that we're seeing in uh, not only, <coughs> excuse me, not only the space side, but also in the on the development uh, on the human side, if you you know, this mRNA vaccine, uh, the Pfizer and Moderna. Uh, Pfizer is probably the first one which came up with the vaccine and has the most efficient vaccine so far uh, based on a technology called mRNA, which is uh, essentially, you know, so cutting edge that there are now a lot of uh, thinking going on that, excuse me, that with this technology, there is a possibility of a vaccine for cancer, for different types of cancer, and there's a lot of works already underway. So, you know, so some of this technology is really mind-blowing. I invested in companies which are working in quantum computing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, quantum computing is going to transform, you know, fundamentally change uh, the way the bioengineering, bio the bioinformatics space, a lot of the areas that the way it is working now would be very difficult. What would you say to someone in Bangladesh that would that would say, hey, you know, yes, it's, it's exciting going to space, but we have so much problems here at home, especially in Bangladesh with poverty uh, or other countries uh, like in Africa, like you said, what, what would be your response to that? Yeah, my view is that at an individual level, a person should do what he or she likes. So if someone is interested in space or building space, whether that person is there or not, really doesn't matter, right? I mean, if you, I mean, every everything has uh, is net positive uh, for civilization. So, so if you're interested to solve the water shortage problem or arsenic problem in a remote part of Bangladesh, yeah, that's great. I mean, that's a very noble effort, and uh, that that is no less than someone trying to build, a, you know, which, which might sound very sexy. That oh, I'm going to space and all the stuff, but you know, one is not uh, less impactful than the other. Uh, so my anyone in Bangladesh is planning to work on space and not thinking of some problem space, all welcome. I mean, that is a, that will put Bangladesh on the map, that will be net positive for the civilizations, then why not? But at the same time, if someone thinks, oh, you know, working for some uh, problem in the remote uh, uh, villages of uh, providing healthcare, 
is not interesting enough or is not big enough, of course, it's serving a lot more important. Than- you you have so much going on on your website. I, I had, I mean, you, you, not only are you you know managing this uh, my Asia VC, you, you I think you have a podcast coming up. You do a lot of speaking. You have so much going on. How do you manage your time? Uh, <laughs> that's a, the, yeah. So you know, so the way I sort of uh, try to uh, you know sort of plan every day is. You know, I don't have any specific buckets that I, you know, that, okay, this is my time for doing this and my time for doing that. I, I, or this is my time for taking a break. So I sort of plan it toward the day. So, so in, in a way that looks like we're doing this podcast now, then from there, I'll go into a meeting. From the meeting, I'll go into a, you know, sort of a jogging. From jogging, I'll go into another meeting. You know, so I sort of try to position this so that I can seamlessly move from activity to activity. Uh, the one thing which I do is I usually block off my time for responding emails uh, because one gets so many emails nowadays. Uh, so yeah, so and which can be distracting. So I have some you know, some tools to use on email management or managing responses on those areas. But other than that, you know, I go through that. Are you, I'm assuming you have a team and you manage individuals. Do you have a specific uh, style of management or like, do you think there's uh, an actual, a right way to, to, to manage? There's no right way. But the one thing which I learned early in life uh, is that, uh, you know, because I have managed teams, uh, I have managed teams of what, uh, I think at one point there were 10,000 people. Wow. So, this is uh, a standard so chartered? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wow. So when I was managing the reach, but you know, so one of the things I noticed is, uh, you know, one of the things that happens is, you know, you really have to hire the right people. And then once you hire the right people, you really let those people perform. So give them the freedom to perform because the really good ones, they they don't like to be micromanaged. So a, a person who has the ambition, who has the intellect, who has the courage to make decisions, uh, we would love to be left alone and given the freedom. So I think one of the best things a, a leader or a manager can do is hire the you know right set of people and give them the freedom and probably nudge them once in a while if, if he, he or she thinks the team needs to move in a certain direction, but it should be broadly left up to Two things happen in that way. The team really, you know, starts taking uh, ownership and accountability of the decision they make and in the process they learn. That also leaves the leader uh, or the manager enough time on their hands uh, to think of the future, get, to get the big picture and know where to Well, um, what's, uh, so I know you have, so you, you've been living in Jakarta for nine years, but do you often go back to Bangladesh? I used to. Yeah, before, <laughs> before COVID. The COVID. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. so I've been back there for a while. But yeah. D- did you grow up in Bangladesh or did you grow up in uh, yeah. elsewhere? Yeah, I grew, up in, I grew up in Bangladesh, but from uh, 2006, I've been uh, outside. Oh, wow. And I mean, it's changed. So I mean, even from 2006, it's it's like, a, it's, it's completely different, right? I mean, I think one thing which is happening in Bangladesh is, of course, you know, Bangladesh has its own challenges. It's a, it's a, it's a small geographical space with, uh, with a highly dense population, a lot of infrastructure challenge that comes with it. But of course, you know, the population is also the strength. I mean, uh, we are talking about a large population with a huge domestic demand, uh, thriving economy, uh, young population, good uh, uh, penetration. So almost all everyone is broadly connected, and that opens up significant opportunities for the crew. The big challenge for Bangladesh should be the natural resource management as the as the country grow. How do we address the challenges of uh, climate changes? How do we address the challenges of pollution? How do we keep enough green space for the kids to to grow in a healthy way? 
So I think those would be some uh, some challenges for the city and the, as a, and the overall the country to tackle. Do you? Um, do, yeah, I ask this for uh, to people that are entrepreneurs and business people uh, that are on the podcast because I feel like um, the idea of a businessman in in Bangladesh, and you could tell me if I'm wrong. I think it has a negative connotation, like um, you know, manush bole babsha or babsha kore. Like I feel like that's some some sort of seen as a as a pejorative. Um, I, I, I've, or that's something I've noticed. What are your thoughts on that? And do you think it's changing? I think it's changing. So it's a, it's a colonial hangover, right? Uh, so what used to happen in, uh, you know, colonial times and others, uh, you know, where the British <laughs> used to rule, uh, uh, yeah. you know, the uh, subcontinent. You know, for, for them, uh, there was a very clear. So you know, so what used to happen is uh, during the colonial times, you know, the British uh, wanted to create a group of people who who will be working from them for them to manage the rest of the population, right? So they created all these uh, strong civil services. And they, obviously the people who ended up in the civil services are the people, uh, you know, they, they, they position the civil service in a way that people from the well-known families or people who are very good at education, the top students end up there. So they started creating an elite class within the society who in turn will help them to manage the broader, uh, you know, uh, society, right? So mm. th- that's how this whole idea came up that, oh, you know, government services and others are, you know, are the big things in life to achieve. And, and that's how the society starts looking up to them. And then, of course, you know, then the, the international companies came in and they started paying good salaries. So that became the, you know, another uh, sort of a way for society to get acknowledged uh, that, you know, so that's, that's probably the job to go for. Business uh, has always been uh, considered as, as something which not, which is something where, where people who can't get a good job yep, exactly. or can't get into good end up doing, right? So it, it, it turned out to be something which, which is not, uh, where the, you know, the bright people don't, uh, you know, don't get involved in. But of course, the world has changed. And at the end of the day, you know, if you look at it, uh, it's the entrepreneurs who end up running the world. Uh, I mean, the reason U.S. has become uh, such a powerful economy because one of the things in, in the U.S. history is the is the you know the acknowledgement of the entrepreneurs as a building block. And you know from the very beginning, it, it, it has been a very entrepreneurial society. People came in, built uh, you know railroads, owned rail companies, became you know owned banks and stuff, and they started running the you know uh, the country or the government in many ways. So the way the U.S. has been promoting entrepreneurs end up you know directly reflecting on the growth of the economy. Uh, and, and that's how it happens everywhere. Uh, entrepreneurs ultimately run you know, the economy. So I think Bangladesh, uh, with the new generation, we are seeing that it's transforming. It's not there yet. Society still believes that, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the backshay shop to, the, to uh, not the ideal world. And nowadays we feel like, okay, saying the word entrepreneur or founder is probably a better yeah. way of explaining it. But yeah, but I think uh, in general, society is moving to the direction where we're starting recognizing uh, people or founders are actually very important. Yeah, and, and not just in Bangladesh, but even here, I feel like uh, I've seen more and more friends uh, or even younger people than me uh, doing more entrepreneurial activities than trying to get jobs, um, which is great to see. So now I'm, I'm excited because I get to talk to a lot of these entrepreneurs here, even if you know they're not massive well, scale companies, but it's still uh, great. To- yeah, I mean, I, I talk with uh, you know, I talk with founders, uh, you know, almost four or five founders a day, uh, mostly from you know your part of the world, but also you know the first and yeah, almost uh, I would say eighty ninety percent of them. I mean, while it's not a it's not a criteria, but eighty ninety percent of the of them would be coming from one of those top schools in the US, either Stanford, 
Harvard, MIT, Yale, you know, all the top schools of Columbia. And then almost 50, 60% of the cases they have been, they had either been working in Google or Facebook or Amazon, you know, so one of the top companies doing very good jobs and then starting their own company. So it is now a very clear trend that we are seeing that people with, uh, who can probably would have done very good in the job and leading those jobs and, you know, trends. Uh, and that is becoming a trend. And I'm sure uh, I, I'm, I have yet to see that in Bangladesh. I, I see very few cases in Bangladesh where people with, uh, you know, with, with a very strong corporate career leaving those and trying to do something on their own. Mm. But I'm seeing that clearly across markets. Uh, we can't we can't leave without talking about cryptocurrencies and blockchain in general. As I mean, you're a technologist. Um, what are your thoughts on how it can impact Bangladesh? You know, for the positive or negative. So blockchain clearly is the transformative technology. So I mean, what we're seeing with blockchain is that uh, you know it it is making so many things uh, you know so uh, so transparent. Uh, uh, one of the challenges uh, that we have seen is, and we're already seeing companies like uh, Standard Chartered, HSBC, City. They're all using, you know, experimenting with different blockchain technologies to to trade settlement, uh, to international trades and stuff. Uh, so clearly, you know, and then the blockchain technology has hundreds of other applications in documentation, land documentation, health record. Uh, so this is going to be a transformative technology, and I think the country, the countries which adapt it faster, would be a leapfrog, uh, down there. So that, I think that that is going to be a big. In terms of cryptocurrency itself, of course, there is a lot of scams in that space, so one has to be careful. And of course, you know, there is always this challenge on how to manage it and what is the regulatory framework that needs to happen. And I think that's very important because unless uh, there is a very clear regulatory framework, there will be a misuse of the of this, uh, currency, there will be you know, a lot of illegal activities happening in that. So one has to be very careful how to, uh, how to regulate that. Uh, one of the things that I'm seeing coming up, uh, uh, and I know a couple of countries, uh, including I think, I think China has already done it, a couple of countries will do it, is central bank digital currency, or as they call it, CBDC. Mm-hmm. So that is clearly a trend that is coming out. And I think that actually saves so much of uh, cost in terms of you know, uh, printing of paper currency and the management of it. Uh, so I think, uh, I think CBDC is going to be really good soon. And I know many countries are, I, I, somewhere I heard 38 countries are already in different stages, I think that is. So I, uh, I was born in Borishal, Bangladesh, and uh, the remote, very remote part of Borishal. And um, my village, I um, got electricity around 2008, um, but they they never had landlines, so land folding lines. But they have obviously everyone um, has cell phones and they have solar panels, so they sort of skipped the entire landline phenomenon. So I, my, I've always thought that. So and obviously blockchain and cryptocurrencies are, are, are still in its infancy, but once all that gets filtered out, and let's say we're remaining with a certain number, or blockchain gets you know. Per, uh, to a point where it's um, uh, usable for certain things uh, more concretely, maybe that's when Bangladesh will be able to adopt it. Sort of similar to the landline phenomenon, where they skip landlines and they basically, you know, got to a point where they're able to use, you know, mobile phones. Then you're skipping a lot of the process of it being filtered out. What do you think? What do you think about that? Oh, definitely. I think. Uh, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, obviously we are seeing. Uh, you know, in China, right? the whole generation is bringing up on mobile phone. And so one of the reasons the apps in China are so good is that, uh, you know, because they're, they're mobile first compared to U.S. Uh, and in the case of Bangladesh, I think a similar thing will happen in mobile phone as well in blockchain space. In fact, you know, I've seen uh, already countries in Africa we, which are using blockchain as a as an underlying payment rate for uh, electricity payments. So, you know, all this solar. So let's say you have a captivated solar plant where 
the solar power only goes to less than 100 homes in the village. So they borrow the solar power and pay, pay you know, in, in a crypto or in some other currency over on the blockchain. So I think there are some experiments happening in that. Uh, yeah, I mean, that might be possible, but I think that's so the, the central bank digital currency can, can really play a role. So, for example, it becomes a stable currency uh, uh, on the top of the blockchain and the payments happen. Uh, so, you know, so in, in what you can do in blockchain is you can automate the whole thing, right? So there has no, doesn't have to be a billing. So if a, a household consumes, let's say, uh, 100 uh, megawatt of electricity, and then automatically it can be programmed in a way that in the moment it reaches 100 megawatt, the payment goes out from the house to the central point. It all is automated and uh, you know, and be uh, logic driven. And that's where I think all these things come in. So blockchain clearly is going to uh, use uh, and leapfrog a lot of these societies. Uh, how the payment mechanism will work, and I think that's where the stable currency or CBDC, uh, you know. Uh, well, thanks for, I mean, I really, I learned a lot during this conversation, so I really want uh, to thank you for coming on. And I would love to end with uh, with this. I read your uh, blog, it's uh, uh, on Medium, called How to Become the Happy Person You've Always Wanted to Be. Um, you know, without reading, you know, line for line i'd love for you to like just summarize what you know your, your, the reason for you writing that and also um just, you know just like some key points from that because i found it uh, i found it really refreshing and uh, and interesting to read if you can just like quickly summarize <laughs> that for people i have to read it again uh, yeah oh, okay. I read it quite some time back but I, I think you know so the reason i started writing those is uh, you know, it was sort of like I was thinking, okay, let me write a couple of these uh, blogs on, on sort of like life skill, mm -hmm. uh, because I saw a lot of my friends and colleagues, uh, you know, usually question at this. Sometimes they, they seem very frustrated with with their jobs and other things. And then, they, you know, so I thought, okay, let me try to write a couple of these blogs, uh, which are based on my philosophy. That's how I was thinking it. On, on that one, I think, in summary, I think, you know, what it comes down to or what it boils down to is uh, there's one of, one of two things, right? So one is, of course, you know, one of the simplest way to live uh, happily is is to ignore what others are thinking. Uh, essentially, you know, to be uh, really involved in what one likes to enjoy doing and do it, uh, irrespective of what the people or the society think about it. So that's one of the fundamental ways to live happily in any instance. And these are all, you know, mostly based on a stoic philosophy and to some extent, you know, Buddhist doing things. Uh, the second one is, of course, you know, as they say, you know, uh, to live on in the moment, i.e., you know, I mean, and th there's a lot of scientific experiments on that where they found that the people perform at their most uh, when they essentially leave at that moment, uh, sort of like in, in the zone, call it. Uh, and so that's the other way, uh, one of the important ways to live happy. And, and I think that comes in only when a person really likes uh, what he or she. Uh, so, so yeah, so I think that's that's probably the success of living a happy life. Uh, but the secret sauce of living a happy life is to find what you like, irrespective of what other people say. Yeah, I mean, what you said about not you know, not caring. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've read the subtle art of not giving an F. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know that that book, and I, a lot of really good points in that. That's a good book, actually. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, right? It's really funny. It's very easy yeah. to read. Um, but one of the things he says, uh, you know, is uh, I think is that you know that sometimes people are unhappy because they focus so much on being happy, um, and, and that causes uh, unhappiness. Mm. And then the second is that uh, struggle. Uh, is 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 uh, you always come out of the other side of struggle with with be, becoming happy. So, doing something very very difficult um, always pretty much always need to be happier. The other side of struggle is always happy. I remember. So those are the key points I remember from that. Took a lot for, uh, away from. I mean, uh, I don't know. I think he is the one or someone or I think Tim Urban, Mark Mason. I think Mark Mason, Tim Urban. One of them 
wrote a very interesting thing. I don't know. Have you seen that where he charted the whole life in weeks and showed how how lit, how many you know by the time one just thirty or forty how 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 few days are left in the life oh, and showing wow. a person and everything. Yeah, it's a very interesting. You know, it's a it's just I, I think you could search it and find it. It's, it's widely circulated. It's just a. Uh, he did one page with each dot a week, and you know, by the time a person reaches, I think, thirty-five or forty, he or she essentially has uh, not more than a very few weeks left. <laughs> and wow. then, you know, the whole idea is that you know how important each week is, uh, which we let pass, you know, without thinking twice. Wow. So wow. yeah, so that's a very good, uh, you know, uh, way of uh, very good perspective on life. And how to- Absolutely. Well, again, uh, thanks for coming on. I'd love so maybe we can have another conversation. I feel like we can talk, speak forever and so many other topics. I uh, would love for you to come on. I appreciate, I mean, I, you know, I, as a Bengali person, just love seeing other Bengalis that look like me uh, or, you know, have similar sounding names doing um, just amazing things that, you know, it's something that I discovered recently and I'm so proud to see that. So I'm just happy to be able to people like you, um, you know, and, and thanks for, you know, doing everything you're doing. Uh, thanks, Kamran. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for organizing all this. I think it's a very, I mean, it's a very, uh, I, I didn't know something like this existed before. So uh, thanks for reaching out. And it's clearly, you know, put together all the Bangalis around the world uh, on this sort of a, a platform to share ideas. Yep, exactly. Thanks. The red and green I beat is always in my heart. Gotta be honest With diamonds and pearls Yeah, yeah Bengalis in New York All over the world uh, It's the bony show uh, Can you handle this? Representing the boroughs Where the bangles live From the slang we spit To the gangs we with It doesn't matter We the essence of the Bangladesh I say, hey, come on Can you handle this? Representing the boroughs Where the bangles live